Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This is the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. And today I have a very special guest on with me and we have a lot in common. I guarantee you we're not going to have a hard time finding things to talk about. She is a B2B marketing consultant. She has written a book called uh, Global Content Marketing. She's a Fortune 100 senior marketer. She's a fantastic woman, just super fun. Love getting her on the phone and just talking about how we connect and how we can figure out a great way to leg up each other. But welcome to the show, Pam Didner. My pleasure, Priscilla. Thank you for inviting me and to be part of your podcast. Oh, this is going to be so fun. You and I can talk an awful lot about content marketing. Smart people would not get us started on this subject. Anytime, my friend. Well, the other thing I love about you, I kind of start the story about like how we met. We did, we were put in touch with some other people, some other content writers, other content marketing speakers who connected us together. And it was a great thing. But also the thing that we share is a love of London. And you were telling me that you just got back from London in January and I'm headed out here this next week. So tell me a little bit about what was fun in London this time. And you and I can be our little secret Anglophiles. Well, usually whenever I go to a city and uh, I want to um, see what's actually special about the city, I've been to London about 15 years ago. Obviously, mm-hmm. it has changed a lot right. uh, in the past 15 years. But when I was there last time, it was a very quick, like a two-day trip. I didn't get a chance to see any uh, landmark or do any sightseeing. But this time, I got a chance to spend a weekend there, so that was fantastic. So mm. covered pretty much all the standard stuff, you know, from Big Bang to a British museum, and then shopping, of course. Yes. It's about shopping, so <laughs> sorry for the guys out there. And, uh, but that was actually a lot of fun, and um, and also the things I enjoyed most, most is actually go to the West End mm-hmm. uh, to see a show, and uh, half of the Sixpence, and uh, that's actually a very English type of a musical, it was very light, and uh, it was very fun, and they talked super fast. There were some jokes. I swear to God, I, 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 I was like, I was not sure what you were talking about, but uh, the attire, the wardrobe, and the music, fantastic. It was very, like I said, it was very lighthearted. It's a perfect um, a show or an event to end my Friday night. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that one. I'm going to go look it up. You know, it's so funny. You talk about how sometimes they're speaking English to you, and yet you just kind of are looking at them going, I know, I know this is English, I know and word, yet. And I know every single word, but when you put them together, I am sorry, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know what's going on. This reminds me of, you know, I grew up in Spain, in Madrid, and we, oh, nice. we went to go watch the movie Back to the Future, And this is what is so funny. You don't really think about it when you're watching something in English. But number one, that movie is so fast speaking. And they're also talking about futuristic things that don't exist. And so they're making up make up um, English words into Spanish words. And we're just looking at each other like, like, what is that? (laughs) I thought we spoke Spanish, but obviously we don't. (laughs) That's like what I feel like when I'm in Ireland or or England. So, oh, my gosh, I love it. Well, I I want people to kind of hear from you the real, the, the difference, there's a nuance of a difference of what you do and I do. You have a lot more experience, number one, but you're also in a different niche and you're working exclusively in B2B marketing and you're mm-hmm. brought in as a consultant in that B2B world. But tell us a little bit about the label that you have of being Fortune 100 senior marketer. So what does that look like? Who, what, what are people calling you for in those consulting type of situations? Uh, great question. 
So um, yes, you're right. I kind of label myself the B two B a gal, and I that's what I actually did. My experience was um, is actually B two B, and I'm B two B gal through and through. And uh, I worked for a little company called Intel for about 20 years. <laughs> just that, and, I don't know if um, you've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just not sure. You know, I just check it out. And um, that company was um, has been around for about, I would say, 47, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine that. And um, since in the 1970s. And they build microprocessors. And um, I think at... If I'm not mistaken, they have a revenue of about $40 billion, so that's why I call it Fortune 500. And all my experience uh, tend to be on the client side, not necessarily on the agency side, and uh, tend to be on the uh, global world. So everything I had done in the past 20 years with Intel or even with other companies tend to be um, uh, based in HQ. Uh, headquarters mm-hmm. and then work very closely with um, a different continent. We call them uh, regions and also with uh, countries. Okay. So my role has been always global in nature and then working very closely with the business units internally and then working with our regional and also our country marketing in a very collaborative type of manner. You're ter- working with that very top tier, that top Fortune 100 client that has absolutely global enterprises as their number one gig. Yes, that is true. And given my experience has been always on the corporate side, mm-hmm. and then uh, my experience is always um, working uh, in the enterprises and with uh, multiple different countries and the geographies. Therefore, um, all my clients right now tend to be uh, the B2B and also the global enterprises. Okay. Yes. So just for example, I'm kind of wondering how your book came about, because obviously you were doing that work, you're getting called in to consult with these large companies who really have to effectively bring content all the way down the funnel in a, in a very large ship. I mean, if I think about how hard it is to create, you know, content in a small ship and distribute it, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, it is really monstrous to think about what that content looks like, not only dispersed amongst a lot of people, but also throughout different languages and then now in translating things into different cultures. I kind of think about this a lot because, you know, this next week when I'll be keynoting in London, I had to really go through one of my keynotes and make sure I didn't have just American jokes in there. And I I did make one baseball reference and I just I just had to put a caveat at the beginning. Trust me, this is a baseball reference you're going to understand. <laughs> but what got you thinking to write a book? Was there something happening in the nuance of what you were trying to explain to these companies that had large footprints and needed the content to go all the way through? What was so special that they needed to understand? Let me share with you why I wrote a book. I, I wrote a book is actually for personal reason, not mm. necessarily out and to solve the problem on the content. That's so there's funny. Always, there's always like, well, I'm pretty sure everybody has a bucket list, right? I mean, right. For, okay. For all the people who's actually listening, I'm pretty sure you have a bucket list. And the, like a lot of people out there, um, one of my bucket lists is actually to write a book. Originally, what I really want to do is write a novel, like a fictional novel. Mm-hmm. And I did make an attempt and I discovered I absolutely have no talent whatsoever <laughs> to write a novel. And plus, I don't have time to actually practice or learn or to go to a workshop. So, And then I got very depressed. I was like, oh, this is always something I want to do. But now I, you know, I, 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 I cannot, I, 
I, I'm just don't have talent for it.、Mm-hmm. Then I was thinking, you know what? I have been in the global role for about twenty years, and there's a lot of things I learned, good or bad, and the ugly. I was looking around and and looking on Amazon. I was like, let's check if anybody has written anything that's really global marketing in nature. Mm-hmm. And、uh, there are there were a lot of books out there, but they are textbooks. International marketing, global marketing, a lot of them seriously are textbooks.、Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, might be there might be an opportunity. So、um, so I combine content marketing and also the global together, and、uh, I submit a book proposal to a publisher. And、uh, they at the same time, I mean, while I was doing the Amazon and also Google search, I'm pretty sure they did something similar and、mm-hmm. check out this topic and see if anybody has. Covered it, and nobody did. And、mm-hmm. and plus, on top of it, I was on the client side. They、um, they were like, okay, fine.、Uh, you obviously have been doing it, and、um, we would love to actually pick up this proposal. And、uh, will you be able to write it? And I was like, yeah, sure, no sure. problem. <laughs> Can do this. I got this down.、Mm. Of course, after I hand up, I was about to get heart attack.、Mm-hmm. Long story short,、uh, I was given an opportunity after I submitted a book proposal, and and、um, and I share some of my personal experience、um, in terms of how to scale content across the region and what I did. By all by、um, by all means, that's probably not the only way of doing it, but、uh, I was able to put、uh, a structure or a framework together that、um, uh, it's easy to digest. And process, and I also want to tell folks out there that my book is actually a how-to book.、Mm-hmm. So it's not some people、uh, mistaken that it's a trend and、uh, want to check this out. And no, it's actually a how-to book. So what does that tell you? The how-to book tends to be boring. It's about <laughs> process. It's about steps. So it's I'm I'm right here and just telling you that it's a how-to book.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, if you are interested how to implement it, the books might be good. But if you are just looking and、uh, for easy read, <laughs> you know what? I really don't want to let you down. Right,、so. right. Well, that's funny because obviously I am interested in this subject, so it was really interesting to me. But I I hear what you're saying. This isn't Gary V giving his one-off kind of a feeling about what's going on. When you're talking with Fortune 100 companies, they need a very specific way to scale it. They they they're not interested in what your personality is. You know, they want to know. But can you do this across? Across cultures for us, so yeah, I, I I made a joke a couple times when I speak, and、um, and I said, hey, you know, I publish a book, and、um, just in case you cannot sleep at night,、mm-hmm. just. Take my book and read two pages. I guarantee you, you will fall asleep right away. Well, let's talk a little bit about your speaking engagements because you—that's one other thing that we have in in common. You're out speaking quite a bit, but what what is your typical audience like? I don't think we're speaking to the same audiences. Uh, probably not. Well, I do speak at marketing conferences. Okay. So, um,、uh, content marketing world, uh, integrated marketing summit, and social media, uh, strategy summit. So I do actually speak at what I call it conventional marketing conferences.、Mm-hmm. If I do, and obviously the audience will be a mix, if you will, right? There,、mm-hmm. there will be some marketing professional from basically all different segments.、Mm-hmm. But I also speak at a client's internal sales and marketing conferences or their own marketing summits or their marketing planning sessions. Okay. So if I do speak on the client side, majority of them, you are totally right. They tend to be enterprises. 
Okay. So what is the biggest question that people are asking you in that venue? Like after they hear you speak, when you have those few people, you know, which you always do when you speak somewhere, there's always a few people who kind of rush to you and like, oh, I have this burning question. I know this person really does get me and and I think I could ask this to them. What is the most common thing you're you're hearing? Can you pick out a few things that people are are kind of pressing you for in terms of getting some answers? First one is... Oh my God, I read about content marketing and I checked it out and I read some article. It seems like a lot of work. Is there a <laughs> shortcut? Uh, okay. The answer is no. No. <laughs> there is no shortcut, unfortunately. And whatever you are reading, if they are telling you there's a lot, it's a lot of work, that is true. So I kind of just want to put it out there. There's no shortcut. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Pam. <laughs> I appreciate that. I feel like I'm, I'm a broken record, but. <laughs> and the second thing is because there's no shortcut, and another thing I want to make very clear is it's not free. Mm. Everything that you do in terms of content marketing, you either pay with your time or you pay with money or money and time. Mm-hmm. So you cannot afford to hire someone else to do it, then you just have to do it yourself. Okay, there's not much to it. Or if you have a budget, you can hire agency and contractors or freelancers to do it, fantastic. But doesn't matter, it's not free. Right. That much I have to say. Okay, <laughs> so that's usually a second question that people ask, you know what, sounds like it's easy, I can just you know publish a couple blogs and blah, blah, blah. Yes, you can. But it's um, to do content marketing right for actually your company or for your audience, um, you have to do it in a very sustainable manner. It's not like you're running a campaign. So you can turn it on, you can turn it off. You can turn it on, you can turn it off. Once mm-hmm. you decide to do this, it's a journey. Right. Okay, so that's another thing that I kind of want to share with everybody. And the third is, okay, now I'm doing it. How can I measure the effectiveness of content marketing? Mm-hmm. And that's a question people tend to ask because content marketing is not necessarily, it's not necessarily like um, say event marketing or even um, say um, the, the social media marketing right. for that matter. Oh, I'm sorry, email marketing. Okay. Like email marketing is actually very easy to track. It's people, you open an email, now opening the email, going to your landing page, download your um, the the content that you want to share. It, the, 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 the metric is pretty solid if right. you think about it. Events, again, it's very solid. People come to your, uh, people either come to your events or come to your booth. You guys have a little chat, you exchange your business cards, you look at the clients and search the information on LinkedIn. You can quickly determine if this is a possibly uh, a, a qualified lead or not, mm-hmm. right? So it's pretty solid. But content is it's not something that you can actually uh, track that easily. So a lot of clients or customers will come to me and say, how do I track that? And I always use the analogy. A piece of content is kind of like a piece of furniture. That's assume that you purchase a $5,000 sectional black leather handmade <laughs> sofa. And then if you put that sofa, beautiful sofa, somewhere in a warehouse, that is not going to showcase the, the elegance and the quality of that sofa. But if you actually put that sofa in your living room and you accessorize with, you know, beautiful carpet, mm-hmm. even though that's from Ikea, that's okay. That's okay. And, uh, that's <laughs> contrast, okay. people, and contrast. And you put the, the paintings and you put a little lamp, 
And let's assume that the, the, the all the stuff that you pick actually match and align with what so-called the, the tone and manner or mm-hmm. the style of that sofa. All of a sudden, you will elevate mm-hmm. uh, the elegance and the quality of that sofa, right? Right. So the way to measure the content, especially on the client side, is you supply the content to your email uh, marketing managers. You supply the content, obviously, um, for your company's website. You supply the content so that uh, your even marketers can actually use your collaterals or whatnot to pass that out uh, to the potential leads uh, on the floor at the event so they can have conversations with the potential customers. Mm-hmm. My recommendations to you is co-own, by the way, I'm going to say it one more time, co-own <laughs> some of those metrics with your marketing peers because you are working closely with them. Right, right. So you should have a stake in it, mm-hmm. right? So they obviously have a metrics they are tracking. You should be part of that. So that can elevate, can also um, get you uh, in there to actually show the management you are making the influence, you are making an impact to other marketing team. Right. So from my perspective, that's actually very important. And the second thing, there's one more thing, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> Another thing is, you know, you know, do a little A-B testing. When I say A-B testing is, is it possible, for example, you've been uh, published four blog posts every single month. That's one blog post, one blog post per month. Okay, then you drive certain kind of traffic to your website. Let's just make the assumption that you do. Okay, so wait a minute. You mean one a week, so four blog posts in the the month. Okay, I'm following. Okay, fine. Well, now, why don't you just stop, completely stop, and not doing any blog posts for two months? That's eight weeks. Let's see if the traffic dropped. Mm -hmm. Or if the traffic didn't drop and still sustain it, well, something is not right. Mm-hmm. Maybe your your content is not working. Then you have to make some adjust uh, make some adjustment and optimization. But if the the traffic dropped dramatically, you probably can call out and say, "Hey, without content marketing, see, mm-hmm. um, the inbound traffic has a huge impact." But so I that's kinda... another way to actually showcase the effectiveness of the content. But I Does feel like, sense? yeah, and that takes you back right to the first thing you said, which that, you know, there is no shortcut in content marketing. And so what you just described is people having patience to A-B test things and also to take a long, long, hard look and a projected look out at their uh, search engine optimization and at their actual web traffic. And not just how many people are coming, but what's the quality? How long are they there? And are they actually converting, which is what we're judged on all the time. I mean, a lot of my clients don't even care if I get web traffic there. They want to know, are they converting? <laughs> so, I totally agree. I totally agree. No, you hit the court, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I was um, actually experimenting with the Facebook pay ads mm-hmm. because my target audience is enterprise marketing professionals, right. right? And of course, all of them have their personal Facebook account and they are on it all the time. Mm-hmm. They are not talking to me. They probably don't want to see me, but they want to talk to, they want to, talk to their friends. They want to talk to their family members or whatnot. So I was thinking, hey, you know what? They're on Facebook. Why don't I run some um, a Facebook pay ads? Right, and I tried, trust me, I tried multiple different ways. And um, the issue is not driving traffic to my site. They will be curious, they will come to my site, 
but it's a conversion. That's the issue I, I also encounter. Mm-hmm. On top of it, at the same time, um, like I said, you know, for you, targeted for small businesses may make um, a Facebook pay ad may make mm-hmm. perfect sense. But for me, for my target audience, mm-hmm. and I try Facebook ads, um, it was not very optimal. I'm right. still working on it. Right. So if anybody out there that thinks that it is the holy grail, I haven't tried, <laughs> or you want to share with me, feel free to give me a call. Well, I, I do hear, though, your ideal client is on LinkedIn. You know, I totally agree. And they're also on Facebook. It's just that when they are on Facebook, I think you've already touched on it. They are doing something else. They are using Facebook. Yes, but they are using it for their own thing. And they have a they're they they have a mindset. And that is talking and being social. When they get to LinkedIn is when they're like, OK, now I'm networking. Now I'm figuring out now I've got problems at work and I've got to solve them. And so yeah. I find that they may have eyeballs in both places, but it's not an appropriate message in the in that place. And that's why I think we do the best in LinkedIn for sure, by far. Um, I have fewer visits to my website from LinkedIn just because I think it's a it's not going to drive as much traffic. It's not Facebook. driving traffic. Yeah. It's not driving traffic, but it is driving qualified Quality leads for leads. me. And yeah. in I look back every time I'm like, oh, there it is again. It's LinkedIn. You know, they it was fewer people, but much much higher percentage of the conversion rate. So when I look at that KPI, we have to be looking at the percentage of what's going quality on in LinkedIn. Versus quality versus quantity. Yeah. You're pretty much hit the court. Right. And even LinkedIn for me is not necessarily buying ads. Mm-hmm. It's really about, you know, understanding who are the potential customers or the company eventually I want to work with mm-hmm. or I think I can provide a lot of help. Then, you know, really looking to um, who are the potential um, target mm-hmm. within that company that I can have uh, possibly a productive conversation. Mm-hmm. So the way I reach out to them, again, is not about pay ads per se. It's right. really find out who they are and uh, also really do a little search in terms of what some of their challenges um, can be mm-hmm. or if they express some of the concerns on some of the channel and then reaching out to them and writing a very customized email, if mm-hmm. you will, and well, uh, address their needs or share some information. You bring up the very good point, which is that, well, first of all, I love your point that social media is not free because I'm so tired of hearing that. It's not free it's at all. It's not free. <laughs> now, the channel free. might be a, sitting there free, but it's not the free. The platform is free. The platform is free. If you want to do it right, it's not free. Exactly. And then the other piece of it is that you can't just go out there and post, 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 posts. Social selling requires social listening. What are these companies talking about? What are their HR professionals? When you see them as they're curating their own stories, right? They're going out there and they see an article on entrepreneur. This is so funny. I have another guy that's coming on my podcast, Greg Sugar, and I connected with him because there was an article he wrote on in Entrepreneur Magazine and it was about entrepreneurs, and I, it kind of struck me. It hit me pretty hard. It resonated with me, and as so much so that it made me think. I didn't even have an opinion about. It. I was like, hmm, I don't know. And I posted it on my LinkedIn. I reposted it and just said, hmm, what do you think? <laughs> and just to get some, you know, some response. I wanted p- other people to to weigh in on it. And to me, that ended up starting a really great conversation between um, between um, he and I. And you know, it, it goes from there. It requires some listening to what other people are interested in in order to make that connection. So if you see those uh, those HR people or those uh, marketing managers, especially in your world, the sales and the marketing people are not 
working together. If those people are posting things that are like, you know, the marketing people are posting constantly, well, this is what the salespeople don't understand about this. And this is, you have the salespeople who are like, this is what marketing just doesn't understand. You know that you've got some work that needs to be done about how people are actually effectively scaling their content across the board because it's obviously there isn't buy-in across the whole company. So I love what you're saying that about just doing some some listening before you start talking on social media. Yeah. That's And that's it customize amazing. your conversation or even email when you send it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people tend to send a very standard email, right? especially on LinkedIn when they reach out um, um, to connect initially. Right. Um, I, I tend to be pretty strategic mm-hmm. and um, that's the wrong word. I tend to be very intentional right. uh, in terms of who are the people I want to reach out mm-hmm. um, initially. And then, and then somehow, you know, just kind of just just on the sideline, I kind of watch what this person is doing and then right. then determine when is the right timing uh, to actually further engage. And that takes that takes effort. Yeah. So you've said those things and I agree with all those things from no shortcuts to it's not free to you got to have the patience to do some A-B testing. Also making sure that you're actually measuring the effectiveness. What KPIs did you establish at the beginning that you were going to look at? You've said a lot of things that I'm yes, 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 yes. But now you take this and you go to a very large enterprise and you talk about scaling those um, those things. So what are some of your insights about what it takes a large organization to scale content marketing? It's actually hard. So the way I look at it, obviously, personal, you brought a very good question. You look at everything, you say, oh my God, you know, you just say all this, and now we're gonna scale 10X to mm-hmm. like 10 different countries, and <laughs> right. what do we do? However, when I'm looking at scaling or global content marketing, mm-hmm. I don't look at any of this just yet. I tend to focus on what is the process you need to set up internally. Okay. And how can we build a process or even collaborations, say, between the headquarters and also the country? Okay. My take on this is once you actually have a conversational dialogue going and you have a regular communications, things tend to flow naturally. Does that does that make sense? Um, it, it it's not necessarily about oh my god I have to scale this content in ten countries. Mm-hmm. It's more or less that okay I understand we need to do this. Who are the people I should talk to? What is the process? Can I get that straight? You know mm-hmm. first and the, once you have that process or collaboration or communication or person that you identify, then it's a matter of having conversation and drive things forward. Okay, so now I've got a really pressing question on that because this is crazy for me because at a small level, I feel that content marketing is not just about the process and not just about, okay, this is what we're going to do, but there is a real art and a nuance. But I feel that at your level, it would be practically impossible to communicate to a group and say, well, what we're looking for is, is some real artists. <laughs> you know, who can nuance these words and do it. And so you, I, I, I kind of get the feeling that you can't do that at your level. But I guess that's my assumption. And I, I the, really, I do the day in and day out work with my team about sending content marketing across all the distribution channels and making sure that they're going to start coming down certain funnels that we can track. But when I get out in there, sometimes I change what I'm going to say in that post 
because you start listening socially. And so you go, oh, oh, no, that's that word is trending better. Or you it, it inspires an idea and you're like, well, let me look up this hashtag. And then something else happens and it changes. So how do you deal with that in that content marketing sometimes has a little bit of an art flair to it? than just really saying, okay, here's the exact content. Now take this across 10 different countries. Or is this that not an issue for you? No, it is an issue. Of course, it's a huge issue. And, uh, you know, just English in the UK, the way that the Brits speaks English mm-hmm. is obviously very different than the, the ones in the US mm-hmm. and also in Australia. So there's right. always the subtle differences, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can take the content and then you can just take it and, uh, and publish it. Right. And this can be true if your target audience are fairly uh, homogeneous. Mm-hmm. For example, IT manager of a large enterprise. Right. Right. <laughs> that their concerns are very, very similar. Similar, right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you address cybersecurity, if you address uh, the load time of a server, that resonates with literally almost every single IT managers in a large enterprise. Mm-hmm. So there are some content and depending on the target audience, that you you can take it and just run with it. I love that. There I really hadn't thought of that. Like mm-hmm. for example, you know the consumer, right? And uh, the soccer mom with two kids, age from five to seventeen, or the, um, a very active mom in China with the kids about the same age. If you buy a consumer product or a skincare product or even a hair product, that's a totally different uh, messaging or so a totally right. different uh, content that you have to create. Right. If that's the case, the headquarters role tend to more focus on providing the branding guidance, right. the high-level messaging, and then share the budget down. And then the content needs to be created at the local level. Oh, I love that. And that's how that, that art piece that's comes in. That's how the art it. piece comes in play. Yeah. yeah right. So it. I'm giving you two extreme mm-hmm. um, examples. One yeah. is, you know, the target audience is very homogeneous. The mm-hmm. other one is the consumer, which is so different from country to country. Right. <laughs> the one that's very different from country to country, usually the content tend to be activated at the, con- at the, at the local level. Right. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. So that doesn't mean I have to do it or the headquarters need to do it. No, mm-hmm. if the headquarters actually doing it, it's going to kill. <laughs> right, yeah. It's going to kill marketing, period. <laughs> so they can't because they don't have enough resources and they also don't know, just like you said, they don't know the nuances, right. the cultural and language nuances. Right. So it needs to be activated down at the country level. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, however, there's always a middle ground. Right. There, mm-hmm. are, there are certain piece of content uh, needs to be activated at a country level. But there are some content that being created by the headquarters, the geography can certainly use. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation tend to be, is it possible, headquarter, can you create your content or mm-hmm. your editorial mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, with certain kind of guardrail? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you give the geography the autonomous to pick and choose what they can use within that guardrail. Right. Is that right. helpful? Yeah, that's how that's how that needs to be managed. Right, absolutely. And you know, you you are, um, you, I think you know Michael Brenner well, and you end up speaking at some same events. He was on my podcast recently, and he's fantastic. yeah, he's fantastic. Well, I think he, you've kind of struck a chord in there. He talks about the millions of dollars that are wasted of content that's created that's never used. And I think it's you know it kind of comes back to what you're saying about there are nuances people have to understand that, like for example, when you're going out and doing uh, you know global scale for content marketing, 
the there is a different path to how content has to be created and then distributed. And so it's if the person who's mandating it to be created is not understanding the full length of the process, the distribution process, then it's going to get wasted. And I will go back also, I really loved your depiction of content marketing as that very expensive piece of furniture. Because, you know, by the time you're done basically giving birth to this piece of content that you've been working on so long, I mean, this is how you feel. And then to find out that someone's put it back in a silo, you know, like, what happened here? In general, I agree with you. But a lot of time, the budget-heavy type of content tend to be long-form content. Mm -hmm. Long-form content in the B2B side tend to get used to be okay. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, for example, Adobe have annual CMO survey mm-hmm. and 32 pages. I guarantee you they translate that to multiple different languages. Right, right? the grit report. Yeah, the grit exactly. report, great white papers and things like exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's a specific topic or specific trends and, and uh, it's long form and or even about specific technologies, mm-hmm. that based on what I have experienced or what I have seen, they tend to get used. Okay. So that makes, as a corporate or even the headquarter team, you need to be pretty smart in terms of what kind of content that you're going to create. Mm-hmm. But the like, level of the usage is going to go up and down, right? right. Some content you created will get used a lot, some probably not. Right. That's also part of the game. Right. Absolutely. Well, tell my listeners how they can connect with you. I mean, you're coming up, you've got some speaking gigs that are coming up pretty soon. And I know we can catch you each year. You're at some of the different marketing conferences. So how can they reach you and also give one more plug there for your book? Because even though you think it's boring, a lot of us have to live (laughs) in this world and we need, we need the how to. So (laughs) you're you're funny, Priscilla. I try. But Everybody, seriously, if you cannot sleep, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, you can purchase global content marketing or um, on Amazon, and that's probably the easiest way to actually uh, get a book. You can also reach out to me if you have any questions through www.pmdinner.com. Pam, obviously P-A-M, Dittner, D as in David, I, D as in David, N as in Nancy, E-R. Or can uh, just DM me or reach out to me either through multiple different uh, social media channels, mm-hmm. you know, from Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, doesn't matter, what, Google+. What's, what's your favorite? Where Are you on LinkedIn most or are you on Twitter most? I would say Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're Twitter. Yeah, girl. but I don't post a lot. I'm mm-hmm. not the type of person that, you know, I do 50 posts, uh, right. 50 tweets a day. I don't. <laughs> I see something interesting and I'll tweet right and, and uh, if somebody mentioned me you know I'll, I'll take I, I, will, I will see it and mm-hmm. uh, I'll definitely respond but I'm not I, I personally I love social media but at the same time I don't want to overuse it because right. that's from my perspective it can be a distraction mm-hmm. I do actually have a client I have to serve and um, so when especially when I got incredibly busy with the client words you can see this like uh, social media um, engagement when uh, dwindling Dwindle. down. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how people manage that. I have to get my beauty sleep at right. night. <laughs> I have the clients I need to take care of. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know things right. have to let uh, things have to go. Right. And um, well, so I'll tell you, the- Pam, how I do it. I mean, sitting here on this podcast with you right now, I already have about a little over twenty four hundred social media posts scheduled, graphic, hashtagged, and written that are already 
I mean, I, I don't have to do anything. So there's no pressure on me, you know, so all I have to do is go in each day and listen. And see what actually connects with people. So, and if there's something wow. really timely, yeah, I'm going to comment on it right in real time. But other than that, yeah. I mean, I've got my year to where I don't have to be thinking what I need to be posting. And that's the dream with each one of our clients to get them to that point. But what you, we missed the keynotes. What are you, where are you going to be speaking this year? So I will be speaking, actually, I have several clients and I'll be speaking at Cisco's Marketing Velocity, which is their channel partner event. And I just finished speaking at, at a client in Minnesota. They have an internal marketing conference. I will be speaking at Content Marketing World uh, in September. September, yeah, that's a big one. There is another conference, possibly in Mexico City at this time. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. And then there's a couple of the marketing conferences. I, I don't remember the full names, unfortunately, but it's on my website. Okay, well, we'll take a look at So PamDidner.com is what you want to go visit. And Pam, thank you so much for taking your time and really helping us get a little more of an expert state of the union, really, on more B2B content marketing at that global level. That's just something we hadn't heard from on this show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And besides, you know, you're cool. So <laughs> my pleasure. It's my cool. Pleasure. You are cool too, Priscilla. Hey, right. sweet. It's a love fest. <laughs> well, listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Ponderings from the Perch. As always, please write back to us. Let us know what you want to hear about it, who you want on the show. And if you have questions for Pam, then send them on. Send them right to her. Send them to us. Let us know how the connection's going. And please don't miss her at Content Marketing World. That's just a great conference not to miss, <laughs> period. But then you'll get the bonus of actually getting to meet Pam. So for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, this is Priscilla McKinney along with Pam Didner today saying have a great day. Thank you so much, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.